1: Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of the Lunatic Fringe podcast. And a familiar face that I have not seen in quite some time smiling back at me. Who the fuck are you, and what do you do? Well, Princess, this is Max... (laughs)
0: I got to get back to that princess thing. (laughs) Um, I'm currently in Germany. I am German. Uh, What do I do? I currently work at indoorskydiving.com. I do marketing and I'm also a tunnel instructor here. Um, Besides that, uh, as you may know, the skydiving season in Germany is not the longest. We're really seasonally. And uh, we only have weekends most of the time. So if I do make it out of the tunnel, you find me at drop zones, especially this year. I did quite some tandems, just the little fun jumps, but uh, I'm up there. I'm in the air flying. So that's good.
1: I saw a bunch of, uh, a bunch of posts from you doing tandems and, and you'd not done tandems for quite some time, at least not this many, right?
0: Yeah. Well, after Dubai, where, where it was like a daily job to do tandems, I actually had like a little baby break. And uh moved to Spain where just like every now and then like I really had to fight to do tandems. So it was not like somebody's always asking like, Hey, can you do tandem? It's like like I really want to do a tandem just like for myself to be like current, you know, actually right. like physically current, not just on paper, right. and also to be current on paper. And every now and then I had the trip to Germany, it was super easy when I showed up at the drop zone. it was like, Hey Max, do you want to do a tandem? <laughs> okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> In Spain, it was kind of the other way around. Like, hey, can
1: I please, please, please do a tandem? Sure. (laughs) I can't remember the last time I woke up thinking, I really want to go do a tandem. (laughs) It's been a long fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) To
0: to be honest, even though I have my tandem rating for eight years now, um, I never got to the point that I really didn't want to do a tandem. Sure. Like, even now, I'm really happy to do tandems. It's I wouldn't say it's more fun than do like a sports fun jump for myself, but I really enjoy bringing somebody into our sports and getting to feel their excitement again.
1: Oh yeah, man. I mean, I've, I've said it a million times on the podcast. uh, My favorite way to jump out of all my jumps ended up being tandems because it was so much fun. I mean, it didn't mean I didn't love going out and doing fun jumps and hop and pops and shooting video and all that stuff. But tandems, I was just very at home and very comfortable. And you get that buzz off of somebody else. It's like you're mainlining their adrenaline.
0: Also, I got to say something really bad. Um, (laughs) it's it's, It's the only jump. If you say you do it two way, it's actually two way all the way. (laughs)
1: yes fair enough fair enough so now how did you get your start not necessarily just in skydiving but in any so-called extreme sport
0: in any so-called extreme sport um well it was basically my own interest or let's say my parents well not that extreme but my parents got me into skiing and snow sports really early they just took me along it was their natural um how should I say they? They were on like four to five trips a year, just going skiing. And I came along even before I was walking. I was in my parents' back backpack or like strapped around the belly. And then, I mean, with I don't, I, I wouldn't really know how old I was. Maybe two or three. I had my skis uh, on, and um, we were skiing down the mountains. So that was pretty cool. And, I mean, uh, besides-
1: skiing can be pretty damn extreme, man. I mean, it- yeah. It, it depends how much time you really spend and
0: what you really do. Uh, I think in that age, it wasn't that extreme. Um, I remember a story from my dad. It was like, hey, I was at a competition, solo competition, and I lost my glove. And I stopped, climbed up the hill, got my glove, and then continued racing. So maybe I wasn't that competitive, or I don't know. But <laughs> Just didn't, wanna, just didn't yeah. want a cold
1: hand. <laughs>
0: yeah. And besides that, I mean, I tried everything. I was a big movie fan and whatever I saw in movies, I really wanted to try. So that's why I guess also as soon as I turned 18, I had all my tattoos done. And I was like, Okay, I'm independent now. My parents don't tell me shit. And <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and, that, I, bet, I bet that went over real well. <laughs> yeah, my mom cried a little bit, but then after a few weeks she kind of got used to it and uh
1: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, at
0: the end it's our body and it's our decision and I don't regret any of the tattoos I have. Um, so it's all good.
1: Yeah. I mean, tattoos can can definitely be considered a bit on the extreme side too. Although now it's extreme to not have a tattoo because everybody like you and me are sleeved out and you know, tattoos all over the place. And my wife doesn't have a single tattoo and it's weird. Especially, (laughs) I mean, especially in skydiving
0: and people around like, uh, If you don't have a tattoo, it's like, what? You skydiving? You don't have a tattoo? Or let's see, let's put myself into another extreme. Oh, what? You skydiver?
1: You have tattoos and you don't drink? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a narc walked onto the drop zone.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's strange. So now,
1: how did did skydiving enter your life? How did you get started? How did it enter my life?
0: Well, my dad used to fly a little 206, a little 182s here mm-hmm. in Germany, and um, he took me along. Also, when I was like a baby, carried along in the maxi cozy. Yeah, and we go on like on trips here throughout Germany or maybe throughout Europe, whatever you do. Um, and uh, there's like on the airport where he was at, there was always like once a year like a festival where they had like shows and remote control planes and whatever and skydiving. So my mom actually did a her tandem, maybe, I would have to guess now, um, 30 years ago, let's say. So I was eight, and I always wanted to do a tandem as well. And then back then, they said, "Ah, oh, you're too young, you're too small, whatever. And when I turned 10, there was this festival again, and I was like, hey, can I do a tandem? And they're like, yeah. And then At I did 10. one on a Saturday. Yep. <laughs> and then I did one on a Saturday and one on a Sunday right the day after because I really liked it nice and I was like hey can we do like a backflip <laughs> and he's like um uh yeah you did well yesterday so let's do it like, nice cool.
2: <laughs> dude it's so
1: it's so cool especially with Europe and and uh I worked in New Zealand for a while as well which is where I took my youngest student was eight uh and I was terrified as the instructor because this little guy is just teeny on the front of me and i'm like oh my and he i think he would have rather been playing with his his toy cars in the dirt but his dad was insistent that he go make a jump but in the states try and get a 10 year old legally on a tandem no way in hell (laughs) yeah well actually i just had this
0: similar conversation today with a friend and with some customers in the tunnel asking how old you have to be to do a tandem jump and uh, I don't even know where to start with the story. Uh, let's say Milo, my son, who is now six,
2: Yeah,
0: he uh, came the other day and pushed me and literally said, Dad, you're an asshole. And I'm like, what? And that was at the drop zone. And he's like, you can have fun with all these people around here, but you're not taking me for a skydive. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> And it and really and it really left me speechless for a few minutes because I didn't know what to say, because on one hand I was upset that he called me an asshole.
2: Sure.
0: On the other hand, I felt him and I was like, ah, oh, I really love to take you. And it's not the first time that I'm thinking about it. But he I don't know how to say it. Psychologically and physically, normally I would say he's totally into it. I mean he's flying in the tunnel. I book 30 minutes and he just flies them straight. He doesn't want wow. to break nothing. So he's a machine, but I'm just a little bit scared about the sinuses. Like, if something sure. goes wrong with the with the depressur,e then you just like you screwed something up for his entire life, and yeah. that's something I don't really want to do. Like, I know I've heard of other tournament instructors who took their kids uh, here in Germany, in Russia, wherever, um, but I'm really struggling. Like, I'm thinking about doing a hop and pop maybe next year with him, just to sure. like stay a little bit lower on the altitude.
1: Um, I mean, it's a it's that... a it's a, a um a proper concern though. I took my nephew for a ride along many many years ago, and and my sister and uh, mom were out at the drop zone visiting when I was flying, and so I took my nephew up for a ride and didn't ask him, "Hey, do you know how to clear your sinuses? Do you know how to plug your nose and clear your ears?" And he didn't. And so we're on the descent down and he's having fun and I'm letting him fly it kind of and, you know, all that stuff. And and then I look over and he's just got tears streaming down his eyes. And I'm like, are you okay?" And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. This is great. My ears are killing me. And I guess he climbs out of the plane and he's just in agony telling his mom, oh, that was so amazing. But I think my head's going to explode. And I felt like such a prick because I didn't ask that simple question like, hey, you're a kid. Do you know how to do this?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. And that's my only concern. Why I'm why I didn't take him this year. Like I tried the harness. Even the the regular Sigma harness is is great for kids. Like I had a kids harness in my hand, but somehow the the way it was assembled and the straps were, like you, you couldn't really tighten it so much. And taking the normal packs harness was okay. Like I really, if I really tightened all the way, it was sure. great. It was safe. Uh, so I didn't have a problem from from equipment side either uh but it was just like i was like okay maybe not this year maybe next year and then uh, we will see how we do it and and if if i find also i found here that a lot of pilots are struggling to take kids on the plane i mean not just as a co-pilot but also if they know that there's a passenger doing a tandem and they are i don't know below depends on the pilot below 10 or below 12 they don't want to fly them sure so um that's like the main thing
1: part of me understands and part of me doesn't you know I mean I come from a drastically different generation so I I kind of get it and I kind of don't but I mean your parents obviously you got to jump at 10. so you do that first tandem at 10. but when did you actually decide I'm going to learn how to skydive was it then
0: and just had to wait (laughs) to be honest my parents gave me the option like at 13 14. I think in Germany you can ask for like requests and say your skydiving family or like your piloting family, whatever. Uh, can I do it a year early? So you could, I think you can start at 14. Don't nail me on that. I'm not hundred percent sure now, mm. but I think normally it's 15 and you can request to do it at 14. And my parents, like my, my dad even gave me the options to do my pilot piloting license for airplanes, like with him to fly with him.
2: Nice. But
0: you know, at 14, 15, all that I was thinking about was not spending the weekends with my parents. Sure. To be honest and nowadays i would say what an idiot i should have taken this one more year and started not spending time with my parents maybe with 16 or so but sure you know <laughs> you can always say it takes some time and you're more clever afterwards but
1: yeah uh, so well, you went whatever. through you started aff at 15 then or
0: no actually at um 28.
1: 28 <laughs> so wait wait what the f- what the fuck happened from you got offered at 15 and you waited another 13 years
2: <laughs>
0: well uh like i said i grew up in germany knowing the weather knowing uh spending some time at uh, certain um airports etc and getting to see some skydivers and having some friends that are skydivers in germany and they always like took me and said hey why don't you do your aff whatever And I looked at them like either they were waiting because the weather sucked or they were waiting because there was not enough people or they were waiting because there was too many people or they were waiting because there was something wrong with the plane or there was always a reason to wait. And I was like, what kind of sport is this Yeah, yeah. where you spend most of the time waiting for something, (laughs) you know, like compared to you go to the gym, you check in, you do your training. If there's somebody on a machine that reads a book, you tell them to piss off and then you like do your training you know <laughs>
2: so, you, so you see
1: all this did you just decide to get along get on with a, a normal life do you like go to school and like have dreams like normal people normal
0: life <laughs> What? What? wait def- define normal I mean what however you would define normal um, what did I do um, maybe I stick with the how did I get to skydiving at 28 um, I have <laughs> one friend his name is jerome he like constantly tried to get me into skydiving and then 2013 for my birthday i think or 2012 he took me to the tunnel to indoor skydiving in Botrop and was like oh here's 10 minutes it's for your birthday enjoy and we were flying it went quite well the instructor was toby Sharinsky,
2: <laughs>
0: and he was like oh max you're quite talented at least a little bit whatever uh, you should do it more often and you should come skydiving and do your license and whatever. So kind of like got convinced a week later during Eastern, I started my AFF and then went skydiving pretty much every weekend. went along with Toby who was doing his canopy piloting uh, courses also at different drop zones and um, did I think a thousand jumps in my first year. Holy shit. And um, <laughs> yeah, so that's how it started and then it became kind of
1: extreme. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, especially to take that kind of a break in between that first tandem and being offered AFF and then waiting all the way to 28 and then (laughs) cranking out a thousand jumps in your first season. I mean, holy shit. Man, oh man, you must kind of look back and go, where would I, how many jumps would I have now? Where would I be? (laughs) Yeah, not just looking back at
0: 14, also looking back at uh, 2015-16 when I was in Dubai and when i after i left dubai and then going into like a like a baby break which kind of took my way from all the way up here pretty far down cuz i yeah. kind of i just went through like kind of normal life uh, in quotation marks and just having skydiving as a hobby compared to actually getting getting into it working wise very quickly
1: yeah. and then
0: taking like a break like a hardcore yeah, break yeah. Well, now how
1: did, <laughs> how, did, how did how did Dubai happen? Well, first off, how did you uh how did you decide you wanted to become an instructor and work in it? And then how the hell did you end up in Dubai?
2: <laughs>
0: well, one of my backgrounds was that I studied film and photography, and um I kind of took that along to skydiving, and I was wondering why when I got there everything seemed to be stuck so far behind, like the technology went on. I mean, there was GoPros for sure, but there was GoPro. I don't know. Maybe back then three or something, and people had still GoPro ones, and they didn't know how to edit videos. And I was like, "Hey, why don't you have like nicer videos for like I don't know for a commercial or just for your like for your website for the AFF school, whatever?" And um and I wanted to take like my video stuff and photograph stuff into skydiving, so I started doing that, and then like sending out some pictures to magazines. I like to the German magazine, and then I reached out to like people that I met here, whether it's skydiving clothing for a German company, like for Rainbow and um, then for for Cyprus. And I started to become like a Cyprus rep pretty early. And I really wanted to like know what I'm doing. So I kind of started with PowerTech, um, which is another German company here and did like my My rigor, but I didn't want to be a rigor. I just wanted to get the know how to understand a little bit. Like, I didn't want anything on paper. I didn't want to pack reserves for anybody. I hate packing. I still hate packing. I I do it and I have to do it. I know I have to do it, but I definitely don't want to do it for anybody else. Sure. And um, so it was just out of curiosity. I just wanted to know how things work Mm. um, and have it explained to me. And Yeah, I tried to see, like, what could I do in skydiving, like, job wise. And I did, like, a few different things. And then, like, in Germany, you have to be in the sport at least for two years and have a certain amount of jumps to become a tandem instructor. So after this time went by, everybody was like, hey, you should do AFF instructor and tandem and whatever. So I did that. I didn't become AFF instructor, though, because I said I want to focus on one thing first. And uh, I started with the tandem and did some tandems and um, I was at the Winter Festival 2014 in Dubai, I think. And um, knowing like Frank, for example, uh, for a long time already, um, he kind of got me connected with Ellen. And then it was about video projects and stuff and just like being able maybe to work in, in Dubai. And I was asked, hey, don't you want to come to Dubai? But then, you know, there was also the year where everything changed a little bit and it took some time. And then sure. I was hired as an instructor. And, yeah, that's how I got to Dubai.
1: <laughs> it, was a, it was a hell of a place, yeah? I mean, especially I, you got there kind of as things were kind of starting to shift, but it was still, I mean, Dubai was Dubai. I think Dubai is still Dubai
0: if you compare it to, to other places. And it's still a nice place to be. I mean, everything, all the stories I heard before, like before I got there about Dubai and how Dubai started, like skydiving wise, I mean, I mean, that was just living a dream and and a dream and a dream and a dream that came true. And uh, how much do you want on top of being able to skydive every day? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: No, exactly that. Right. I mean, it was, uh, uh, and I only got there kind of for the, the tail end of the golden era, so to speak, but, uh. Even the time that I spent there, I was ridiculously spoiled. I mean, I'm walking around going, "But I'm 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 a jump pilot. You guys are supposed to like shit on me and and not pay attention to me and and just be mean and and yell that I you know took too long or or I didn't go high enough or and all of a sudden I'm showing up and I, somebody made me a pair of swoop shorts and I'm I'm being given tunnel time and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This is ridiculous. It was so amazing. I remember my favorite story I ever heard before I got there was um, uh, the one of the guys that that used to fly the porter out there back when it had just started. Big Boss wanted to do a jump that was off of uh, the landing area and land on one of the roads that was on the shoreline. Uh, And the pilot was like, I'd I'd love to land here but I can't because all the street lights are here and I'll clip the <laughs> lights with the wings. So Big Boss just took his Hummer and ran the lights down and said, "Now you can land here."
0: <laughs> I already knew where the story
2: was going once you mentioned street poles.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. It was I mean, and that's kind of how it was too and it's funny because and I'm sure you're the same way I start telling stories about Dubai and even I don't believe the stories and I was there. Yeah. Which yeah, was yeah. oh, it was so. When you when you first went out there, you went out there as a tandem instructor. Yes, yes. But you did a bunch of stuff with their video stuff too, right?
0: Um, not really. Like uh, during the season when I was there, we had the World Air Games, and all the staff members were part of of some crew or like of the video crew, and I kind of got like um, head of video something uh, during that time in the desert, which had almost no skydiving at all. And I was just responsible of like whatever we're filming there and getting the things together. I tried to do like a little bit of schooling and a little bit of, um, just introducing the cameras and explaining a little bit of camera equipment that we had and and getting along with it and and just some setup stuff. Um, we had more plans, but also the production was like going down a little bit during that time. And, um, So I was more involved in in just pretty, I was pretty much, yeah, doing tandems. So like just work-wise officially for the company doing tandems, like, uh, yeah.
1: And how long were you out there for?
0: I was actually just there for one season, like almost a year.
1: You only did one season? Why does it feel like you were there for so much longer? Did you just make a bunch of trips before and after? Is that why? Because I know I saw your face for more than a year, I'm just such a nice guy. You're just that memorable. I'm so well remembered. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You're just that memorable. Okay, I get it. I get it.
0: Well, I was there. I was there. I was there. The like I said, the Winter Festival before, um, and I was there actually just once after.
1: Wow. I mean, I I suppose, especially sitting up front all the time, I get used to remembering faces and I'm shit with names. Um, I actually forgot my own brother-in-law's name the other day for like five (laughs) minutes. It was horrible. So I'm really bad with names, but I remember faces. So maybe I just remember seeing you more than for one season. Who knows? Also,
0: you know, nowadays it's so much easier to not forget people because of social media. Yeah. Like for me that's a, that's a big thing like you don't forget faces you don't forget how faces change you recognize people you see what people are up to yeah. so it helps a lot and then if you run into somebody you kind of know what the person is doing. Oh yeah. So man. that's that's cool you know I mean it helps us just to keep up yeah some people say you get lazy you don't actually really connect anymore.
1: I don't but... I mean don't get me wrong I'll say the, all the negative things about social media that everybody else does it rots your brain and and it gives you a lot of shit ideas if you're susceptible to that kind of stuff but this podcast wouldn't exist if it weren't for social media and I wouldn't have nearly the connection that I do with most of my having friends if it weren't for fucking Messenger and Facebook and Instagram so for as yeah. as horrible as it is to have to maintain a presence I'm really glad that I get to because I get to keep up with everybody.
0: Exactly, especially over distances. Like all of us living in different countries, different continents, even,
1: yeah,
0: um, and different time zones, whatever. Oh yeah, this is so easy. I mean, I remember getting into social media was pretty much AOL Instant Messenger. Yeah. And there was a time when I was like, I don't know, uh, don't don't get me wrong with the age. Maybe I was 14, and I was always like visiting my godfather in the states. So I spent all my summers in the states and to, to get to keep in touch with these kids there i had AOL instant messenger like i waited for them to be online and then like oh hey what's happening sure like there was sure. no posting pictures and anybody can just access them anytime it was really like still like a phone call but kind of text-based so yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it
1: was uh, none of the convenience of modern messaging and you had to type no. but at least you got to talk to somebody <laughs>
0: yeah so that was the other thing that came up after um uh, for before facebook what was there there was this other, oh my um, pic, my
1: um oh for fuck's sake what was that everybody no. had it everybody my space, had it. My my space. space. yeah exactly. yeah and that one yeah, goofy yeah, yeah. picture the only guy that was your friend when you first signed uh, up yeah 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 that one so what sparked uh um leaving dubai <laughs>
0: Uh, long story short, let's keep it to the um, <laughs> uh, uh,
2: uh
0: Let's say a pregnant woman that you're not married to. Um, back oh, in the day,
2: yeah,
0: still having uh, some some rules uh, in Dubai, which I heard changed now. It has um, changed, but um, yeah, back then, let's say it was more of a problem for her. Not for the men, yeah. but I was a nice guy and I was like, okay, we got to do something and take care of something. And it wasn't really like rushing away from Dubai and wanting to stay away. It was more like, okay, before things go terribly wrong or we do get in trouble, let's leave and see how things go and organize and then come back. But it ended up being staying away.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, and back then, too, things have changed an awful lot in Dubai. I remember before I went, you know, being told by people, oh, you're going to hate it. Like, all the women are completely covered. and, And even if you meet somebody, you can't even hold hands in public and all that kind of stuff. And then cut to I'd been there for like three weeks. And the first time I ever made it to the beach at JBR and I'm walking down the beach and it's just thong bikinis and side boob <laughs> everywhere. And everybody's tattooed and people are making out in the sand. And I'm like, are are you kidding me? This is this is not. But with something like that, have, getting pregnant and not being married was a problem back then. Now it's not
0: yeah i mean things have changed have gotten Which way easier yes um to tell you a funny story about dubai and rules and me like i'm never panicking and i am not good at following rules mm. but um okay now that we use video you can see what i have tattooed to on my arm there's like this lady she's a she used to be naked riding a rocket <laughs> and the week before i went to dubai Uh, we tattooed the bikini on her because i didn't want to get in trouble like (laughs) thinking about doing tandems every day like presenting this arm into the camera every day i was like i cannot show naked boobs to the camera every day in dubai yeah you know like i i'll
1: tell you what i it it loosened up so much that in the course of my time there uh, i got my sleeve tattoo after i had gotten there i went on vacation and came back with the sleeve and Boss was actually one of the ones that complimented me on it. He's like, I really like your tattoo. And I'd, I'd watch things kind of relax and relax and relax over the years, all the way up until the last year that I was flying. I was on the climb out in one of the planes and had um, I had a circuit breaker that I was trying to reach. And while reaching the circuit breaker, without knowing it, I had accidentally keyed the mic and I talked to myself all the time. And as I'm reaching for the switch, I'm literally leaning down going goddamn motherfucking son of a bitch over <laughs> the radio frequency to Dubai, like anybody <laughs> listening. And had I done that 10 years prior, I probably would have been thrown in jail right away. But uh, um, that happened and the controller clicked back on and just jokingly with a giggle in his voice asked, is everything <laughs> all right? <laughs> So that to me encapsulates the incredible change that Dubai went through in the 10 years that I was there. You know, I mean, it, uh, it, I think it's almost like living in California anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, just like, I mean, I've heard some stuff. I knew, um, like when, when I got there doing my, my first week of tandems, you should have seen me. I was like a little angel with the ring above my head. Um, all suited up jumping with girls i wasn't talking to them much i didn't exchange numbers um there was like some of them coming up like kissing me on the cheek in front of the camera like at the end after landing like saying thank you i'm like sorry sorry keep your distance (laughs) we're in dubai Uh, that was my first week of doing tandems you know like i was really afraid to get in trouble like like seriously i mean i know myself and i know how how used to things i am and and just having those routines and 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 like really fighting with myself to know what i'm doing to not yeah. you know get into something and uh yeah and two weeks later I was like okay this is this is this is not what i imagined um it's it's way it's more it, relaxed <laughs> it's a drop zone
1: i mean it's it's actually kind of funny because um dubai has loosened up dramatically over the last 10 years and the drop zone has tightened up over the last 10 years because the drop zone is now very corporate um it's obviously it's always been very high-end but they're incredibly professional and they want to keep it that way and so they've really kind of reined in the the skydiver hijinks that used to go on there um which is funny because when skydive Dubai was at its wildest is when Dubai itself was at its most restrictive so it's it's really weird to watch it kind of do this flip
0: yeah 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 but Talk Going back to, to rules in Dubai, I hmm. think they, I mean, uh, maybe correct me, uh, it was always a USPA drop zone, but also kind of still fi- trying to find its own way in Dubai yeah. kind of thing, no? And um, I remember 2016 maybe, um, we also were talking about rules in Germany, like for age restrictions, because when I was jumping there, I was still 18, so we couldn't take anybody on a tandem. there was not 18 yet, no matter who it was, no matter where he came from or which level of VIP he was. Um, and um, we were talking like about how it is in Germany and the rules and then to adapt maybe in Dubai to to bring that level down to just open up to more customers and to more families. And I think it was lowered down to 14. Do you uh, know? At,
1: at least 14, if not younger, but definitely to 14. I think
0: so. Yeah. I think like, uh, I remember something like 14. Yeah. And, um, so that's, that's a big gap already that you fill. I mean, yeah. yeah, like yeah.
1: That started kids from uh, 14 to 18. Basically, just before I retired from there, um, they had dropped the age down because I remember not really knowing what was going on. And then I look out the window as a load is loading up, going, what, what the hell is that? Because it was a couple of little kids getting on the airplane. And I even had to radio to manifest going, um, is this, shit cool <laughs> are, we taking, are we taking kids now and they're like yep yep we sure are so so now when when you left dubai you said you took a break obviously uh you went and, and uh, became a dad uh and started doing all that is that kind of what sparked skipping away from think or it just kind of happened that way
0: well it didn't it's not like a like a jumped away from jumped away from skydiving. That's good wording. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not like I wanted to leave skydiving. It was just that, I mean, obviously Dubai is like one of the drop zones where you can basically jump all year round. Yep. Um, I, have, I I was told back in 2015, I think in the winter season, there was never a winter season before where we had so many bad weather days. Yeah. Um, and uh, besides that, I mean, normally you can rely at least on the palm that you could jump. Yeah. I mean, it was really reliable to have a lot of days for jumping during the year. Uh, even in the summer, I mean, you just have to keep it early enough, but you're still jumping. Sure. Um, um, you can compare it to anywhere else in Europe where you definitely struggle more with the weather. And sure. even in Spain with the winter, you never know what's coming. It could be quite cold, rainy or whatever, cloudy. So, you definitely have less days to jump. And um, yeah, catching up with Dubai afterwards, it's, it's hard to reach that level, you know? And um yeah, it's not like I really, really tried to get somewhere. Also, because I wasn't living close enough to a drop zone, I was kind of like, we moved to Barcelona, and there was the time when Window Barcelona was about to open or was supposed to open. So, I was like, hey, cool, let's take some time off and maybe try to work at the tunnel in Barcelona. But that tunnel was delayed big time, like over two years, because Mm. there was like problems with the, with the, um, grounds and and the water from the grounds. Mm. So uh, that was delayed. And then, yeah, I was just saying, okay, every now and then let's do some tandems in Manresa, which was like an hour away. And every now and then we went to Emporia Brava, but they also, even though it's Dubai owned, it was like, it still has like its own rules kind of. And, um. It wasn't, uh, let's say, it wasn't even like a, an ace in my pocket that I was working in Dubai before. It was just like I never really got into it.
2: Sure. So, well,
1: if anything, I think that uh, coming from Dubai would almost be a strike against you because Dubai kept taking their planes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think,
0: I think for Emporia, it's not what people, there expect. Like, I think they, they expected a little bit of the same story like Dubai itself sure when when it was taken over which didn't happen it's not like like uh, it rained gold there um
1: but um it's still a good working drop zone all year round so i
0: mean for europe it's with it's
1: Well, you get so skewed when you spend any length of time in Dubai, because that's just not how the rest of the skydiving world works. (laughs) It just isn't. You know, I mean, there were every single year at some point I would have to stop myself when I'd get frustrated about this or that or whatever. And I'd have to stop myself and go, you're a jump pilot and you're living in a high rise and you drive a Mercedes. You should shut your mouth. (laughs) You're you know not living in a tent not struggling paycheck to paycheck if you're lucky enough to get a paycheck
0: I mean I was super happy to be invited by Dubai and and to get the opportunity to work there there was mainly Ellen who was who used to be the drop zone manager when I was first asked but then swapped mm. over to Sandrine and I was grateful for both of them that to kind of uh, also with the support of Frank to kind of like try to get me to Dubai and to work there um but I also noticed, like, I came there like super happy and like really saying, like, "Wow, this is like." When I started skydiving, everybody said the drop zone to go to to skydive is Dubai, mm. and 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 not talking about working there. I mean, just like just going there as a fun jumper to do like at least one jump and be like, "Wow, I jumped mm. in Dubai," and then um, and then I got to this point where um, I was invited to work there, and. Um, I was super grateful, and I got there with like high expectations and this and this. But then was also so influenced by everybody's mood and how things changed, and and to 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 kind of get how do you say side affected by what was going on, even yeah. though I had nothing to complain because it was still like more than high standards and oh yeah and what you were getting and everything. But everybody became like sorry to say a little princess. <laughs> 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 And had something to complain about. Yeah. I mean, again, whether it was the salary or amount of jumps that you had to do or equipment or whatever, you can complain. I yeah. mean, yes, it's hot. But, you know, you land, you just drop the gear. Somebody else is packing. You get an air conditioned yeah. uh, spaces. Yeah. Um,
1: well, I mean, I mean that's was- that's like uh, telling somebody that jumps at Skydive Arizona um, that uh, they couldn't handle the heat. Yeah, it's fucking hot, man. I mean, it's just hot. That's it. It's hot same shit in the sand as it was in in the, the desert in arizona i mean it's hot so now i saw a bunch of uh pictures and a bunch of posts of you doing uh paragliding as well yeah you've taken your son paragliding haven't you
0: yes um funny enough during corona um it hit spain also like from one day to the next the drop zone was just closed like we were jumping on a friday morning i went for lunch and then four thirty 30 or something was the last load and then um, we all left our gear like usual in the hunger and then they locked it. And then it was locked for one week, for two weeks, for three weeks, we were like, uh, okay, what's happening here, you know? And then like no one knew what was really going on. I mean, I mean, like everywhere. And um, so we all had to stop skydiving and we all at one point had to stop uh, tunneling and, and whatever there was. And uh, it was all about like finding other sports And after a while, it seemed like the whole drop zone, or at least like the staff part of the drop zone and like the people who are living around and and skydiving a lot started paragliding. (laughs) Nice. And uh, so we all went paragliding and some people just kind of went by themselves with like rented material or got some secondhand stuff. And a, a few of us went to like paragliding school. I decided to go the way of the paragliding school just also to have official papers if I want to travel abroad or whatever and come to Germany. Uh, which was a for me good choice. not saying the other choice is bad if you just hang around there and, and just paraglide. But it was great. Like, it was a very similar sport to skydiving, but then still so different. Yeah. Like I mean whatever you trained the years before with your eyes and like knowing uh, your glide ratio and everything, it's just different. Like sure. every every skydiver going paragliding line thinks I know how to do it and tells like the instructor ever like ah oh, it's just a canopy or whatever right and then they land and they land in the trees that are like thirty meters behind the landing area you know <laughs> because it's just so much longer and the glide ratio is so much bigger it's it's crazy. <laughs>
1: I mean, and I, I have yet to go paragliding. One of these days, hopefully I'll get around to it, but that's what I've been told by every skydiver that goes to it. They're like, yeah, mm, yeah, it's exactly like it when it is, and then it's not.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's great that you can, like, you just, like, hike up a mountain, and then you're up there. I mean, it's way more, like, you have to make way more choices for yourself. Like, it's not like you go to a drop zone, and, I mean, there's different drop zones also concerning that, but it's not like you get there and somebody tells you what the weather is like, what the winds are like, where the pilot drops you. If it's safe for you with, with, with less experience or with more experience to jump, whatever, it's like you go there and you have to make a choice. You have to know the weather you have to know the area. You have to know your, your level. Um, you have to know your equipment. You have to make your plan. It's like, you have to do so much more work and it's, and and that side is like very difficult, I think, for more skydivers because they used to come into the drop zone, pay the ticket and think everything is done. Like a lot of people think everything is done and dealt with by paying the ticket. Right. And and that's different in paragliding.
2: Sure. Um, sure.
0: And that was something we all had to kind of learn. Doesn't matter whether it was very little experienced skydivers or people with more than, I don't know, 10 or 20,000 jumps. Um, and it was very interesting to see like these different levels coming together and learning a new sport together, it was sure. was really cool. Um, and I really enjoyed this time. And I must say, taking Milo after a while when I felt confident, and when I informed myself with like talking to other instructors and people who do tandems and paragliding, how they would take kids, like if you need a tandem wing already, or if you can do it with your own wing, because he was only like 18 kilos back then and uh what i have to get and i just got the the kids seat and i just like kind of clipped it in front of my seat and we went flying and the first time we went flying was actually an emporia on mm-hmm. the mountain there and taking like a nice flight to the beach it was perfect condition it was almost a little bit too windy mm. um but uh we went flying and i noticed like we could have stayed for an hour or something but i was like oh i don't know how Milo is behaving he's young maybe he gets bored and then I can't land right away. I still have to fly to the beach. So I went like for a straight flight, maybe fifteen minutes to the beach. We landed like during sunset, and he was like, "Daddy, this was so cool. Let's go again." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, great reaction!" But um, look, the sun is going down, and we need like another one and a half hours to get back up, so we can't fly today. But I promise you, we'll fly the next couple of days whenever, whenever the weather conditions uh, allow it. And we went again and he was like longer further higher we went flying for two hours or something oh, wow. and then we went further into the pyrenees where margot the mom of milo took her first course there and i took milo for some flights there and it was also like three to four hour flights there and uh like i had the drink the camel bag, whatever and milo was like yeah playing around with the camera and the selfie stick <laughs> and really had the time of his life at this moment and i was just enjoying how he enjoyed in front of me. And I was like, great. What sure. a cool sport to connect with your kid and to take him along. Sure. And um, yeah, at some point I just had to say, you know what Milo, I really want to land. Like I'm sick of sitting in here for four hours and I want to go pee and uh, like, you know, like my my attention span is like some, like for me in paragliding, there was like this magical times, like two and a half hours. And then I got kind of like to a point where I got a little bit bored Sure. then, three was the next magical number and then three and a half, like the steps kept decreasing, and like, really like, okay. So <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I can just recommend that to, to anybody. And then I, then we moved back here to Germany and it was just, I went to like a, like a paragliding takeoff place and there were some people there and like, Oh, so where's your license? Where's your club membership? Where's your um, membership in this, um, Whatever federation, blah 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 blah. And I was like, you know what, guys, forget it. I don't want to fly
1: here. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, I I Ah. think that would be the big draw to paragliding is that it's up to you. That's your thing. I mean, it's who? uh, Yeah, we won't we won't get into the politics of that too much. There's enough politics. No, no.
0: I was gonna say if you get into politics about paragliding and skydiving and whatever. Mm -hmm. Air rules that exist, uh, yeah. or ground rules, or country rules, or whatever, then we can talk about 10 hours and we still don't get to a point.
1: Yeah, 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 hey, <laughs> you still, still won't get anywhere. Now, um, so you, one second. Yeah. All
0: right. Oh, here I am. Sorry.
1: No, no. Like I said, so uh, uh tell me about good. getting started back in the tunnel in Germany.
0: Um, say again.
1: How'd you get started back in the tunnel?
0: I'm um, um, starting in the tunnel. Yeah, that was back then uh, when Jerome uh, got me my um, birthday present for the tunnel. And um, he had 10 minutes and we were just like flying how you do it as a first timer. But, well, I kind of involved to uh, a pro flyer right away, being a friend of a skydiver and just like. Being dragged in there and like boom, i yeah. just, just, just follow along.
1: <laughs> so now, when you went back to Germany after after Dubai, how did you end up working for the tunnel out there?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. So uh, basically, back in Dubai, I did not have a tunnel instructor rating. But living in Europe, I was frequently asked, like, "Hey, don't you have like in tunnels? don't you want to work uh, in the tunnel, or can you help out for two weeks or something?" I'm like, "Yes, I can help out, but do I need a rating for that?" <laughs> Uh, yeah, you do. You don't have that? I'm like, know uh, uh, no, I don't have that. Um, how do I get that? <laughs> and then I, I did, uh, I did my rating actually at Flyspot in Poland. And um, after that, um, I went to bar shop every now and then, and like in the first Christmas in I don't even know the year, helping out for maybe three weeks, just basically saying, okay, give me all the shifts. Uh, I really wanna like get into it and and get to know things and yeah, but but it, at the beginning it was pretty much just uh, every now and then freelance help out bases, and then going back to Spain I tried to 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 work at Windor, which was kind of everybody knows from the business and knowing Windor that it's not easy to get into it, uh, even harder than to get into Dubai, mm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I just had really little chances to work there. Like, really, really little chances. And um, and then uh, Leon, who is now the, the manager at uh, Bottrop, in, at indoor Skydiving in Bottrop, asked me, hey, Max, don't you want to come for Christmas and have out again? And that was actually two years ago. And um, I'm like, sure. And we, like, said, okay. Then it's set. And then I called him half an hour later, I said, hey, wait. Isn't Fienheim opening soon? Because that's way closer to Frankfurt, where my family is at. Hmm. And do you think I could work there during Christmas? Because that would be like super convenient. Then I could like com- combine visiting family and working and not having to drive two and a half hours to botrop but also sure. being able to just drive within like less than an hour. And he's like, Yeah, we're not sure about the opening date, but yeah, I talk to Patrick, who is the manager in, in, in Firnheim and ask him. I was like, Oh well, yeah, I, I know Patrick as well. I call him, I say, Hey Patrick, do you need some help during Christmas? Like yeah, sure. You want to come? I'm like, yeah. And I came and I just said, hey, Patrick, you know what? Like, I don't really need to see my family that much, <laughs> yeah. but I really need some work and I need to have something to do. Uh, just just give me as many shifts as you can. And I was basically just like for three weeks working every day and really noticing that I'm working every day, but I enjoyed it because I knew there was an end to that period. Oh, sure. I thought there was an end to that period <laughs> because we kept <laughs> extending the only three weeks, week by week until I signed a working contract there <laughs> and there basically just stayed. And then I just left, I think, in April to kind of get all the things in Spain together and, and move to Germany. And then, like, um, which everybody asked me, like, why are you moving back to Germany? Coming from Dubai, living in Spain, and then to Germany. Are you crazy? Well, yes, the, the weather factor is not the best kind of I would say here in Germany but there's still other things like my family is here Sure, I'm not too much of a family guy I don't know like other people have maybe even more family thing but during Corona I really noticed like how it sucked being kind of locked into the house and having too many rules in Spain about Corona and, and yeah. stuff like this and it really got me to the point that I was like wow I just really want to be in Germany like being around with friends having the family and we kind of had Milo just two of us all the time until then like till four we never gave him away to a babysitter there was never any like me time really with him and 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 like giving him to the grandparents or something so um i was like okay let's do that now that he's a little bit older and move back to germany and, and get you to to live a different life again sure and um yeah just going working from like regular working hours every day which kind of that 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 was the hardest part actually to get used to sure like it, it's almost two years now and I'm like wow that's so strange like my whole life I was always lucky enough to have a job I mean Dubai was actually the first place where I really signed a contract working at one place every day sure and just for one company but um but then now with the tunnel it being like every day it was really like wow I'm really like committing. It's the first time that I work at a company in Germany and um, I'm really going there like all the time and I'm not doing anything else and and even in the summer we were working on, on weekends obviously because it's still like the prime time Sure. because everybody else is off work. That means they want to enjoy their time and come flying and we have to work. So um, that took some getting used to but yeah that's the way it is. I mean yeah? at so 38... Starting into normal work life is, is right. something to get used to. <laughs> yeah.
1: So speaking of the normal work life and, and uh, uh, flying your ass off, how do people come fly with you? If they want to come fly with Max or they want to hear more Dubai stories, how, how do they track you down? <laughs> you mean the, the non-rated stories? Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, your yeah. podcast, I mean, even though we said, hey, we can say whatever we want we still keep it to a, keep to it a certain true. level
2: to a, <laughs> to a certain level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love it.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, currently I'm I'm in the tunnel in Fienheim, which is very close to Mannheim. It's like an almost an hour south of Frankfurt. And um, we have actually the first of its kind tunnel for ISG tunnels, which is um, coming along a little bit with the with the problematics that we have nowadays that electricity prices rise and energy prices rise, and we got to keep costs low to actually still be able to, to maintain all the fun stuff that we want to do. Mm. So this tunnel is like a concept that is a little bit less energy consuming. It's mainly marketed for um, first timers, but it's still a very good tunnel for skydivers up to a certain level. Like, any beginner can can learn sit fly and everything dynamic flying it's not really to compare it to something else a tunnel that is made for competition cool. but even like really experienced skydivers trying to fly there is is like a unique experience for them and in a way to practice maybe some skills sure. to 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 see like that the technique really has to sit well on spot to to actually do the movements that you're used to and and comfortable with oh, yeah. Um, but yeah that that uh, we are situated uh, very close to like a shopping center we are officially part of the shopping center but like our own building in front of it cool. um, so yeah I'm I'm. you can find me there most of the time actually this year I swapped over to do more office work so I do the marketing the local marketing in Fienheim and uh, I'm still sometimes working as an instructor or flying with friends or with skydivers or whatever and um, this week I worked at the at the front desk because we're a little bit, little bit short staffed there, and it's very interesting to kind of try to work in the same company doing everything. Sure. And uh, I just noticed like what a good job these girls do on a daily yep. basis because yep. actually I found that the front desk is the for, it was for me the hardest. Yeah. Especially now we're on holidays like we have a full house. And the shift was like the morning you're alone or like in the afternoon you're alone just in the midday with the two of us and i was like wow there's so much stuff to do like you check in these people you talk to them you explain to them everything you organize the schedule um you enter the phone you answer emails you do everything in the background you, you do the yeah. coffee you do what i like it's so much work like i didn't look at my phone for the entire day but the cool <laughs> thing was the time was just running like yeah,
1: yeah i was off shift it was just like boom well, I mean, it's um, it's manifest. It's just manifest for a tunnel. I mean, yeah, manifest yeah. is the hardest damn job on a drop zone. I've said it a million times. So <laughs> front front counter to wind tunnel, probably even more so.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. You have a little bit more people that you can work with during the day. Yeah. I think like we we get to to get through more people than on a drop zone. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's fun. It's it's very nice to see the different perspectives. And uh, I was able to, like, do some behind the scenes and even for marketing, like, get to maybe have some conversation with customers that I normally don't have, et cetera, et, yeah. et cetera. So that was really interesting week for myself. And besides that, skydiving-wise, I'm I'm pretty much traveling. Like, I don't have the home drop zone that you find me all the time. But uh, and, and tandem-wise, I keep it very true word-by-word basis maybe some social media commercial stuff that we just post some videos and then people like contact us but we feel the weekends pretty good and we like usually like at the moment the main drop zone that we jump at is, is in Mannheim or catch like hockenheim you know where the famous race track is set. and they run a porter so usually they as a club don't have too many of their own tandems so we can still bring tandems there and it's not like they have the whole year scheduled out and you really need your appointment so we usually do the appointments maybe two weeks before the weekend and that's a very easy going tandem operation then.
1: Nice. Well as we wrap things up give me your social media so for somebody that wants to come to a tandem with you they can shoot you a message. Uh
0: Well, it's just basically my name. You can find whatever you want to find about me with uh, typing in Max Heidenfelder, completely German word. A little bit. g i d e n f e l d e r But it's easy to find. We're friends, so whoever connected with you can find me just typing yep. in Max. I think there's maybe two, maximum three Maxes in your friends. I don't know.
1: I think Yeah, I think only two. I think only two. two. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so it's 50-50 be- chance. <laughs>
1: Yeah, throw the, throw the dart. Throw the dart. You're going to score. Max, man, yeah. it's been so great catching up with you. I'm really glad that we were able to connect. I know you've been kind of busy, but this was great. Thank you very much. Nice. Uh, thank you for the invitation. Yeah, man. I mean, when did you start uh, doing this? Uh, almost five years ago now.
0: Almost five years ago. Yeah, I remember you starting it. I remember like your postings about it. And um, I was listening at the beginning, then then I'm not such a, like, I, I never listen to any podcast, to be honest, mm. or anything. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm not going to listen to the last ones, because I don't want to be prepared to what you're actually saying. I just want to let questions or talks come, and we sure. see where it goes. Sure. And if it goes too far, I'm like, hey, what's going on here?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, this was but, perfect, man. Hey, it, went...
0: <laughs> it was perfect. It went well, all good. All right, brother. And the time just
1: ran by. <laughs> yeah, man. Just like that. Like all I right. said, this is the only way I can keep Skydivers' attention is to keep him talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's you not take... like Skydivers
0: like talking about themselves. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> or <On> their sports. <laughs> <laughs> take it easy, brother. You too. See ya. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by, well, wait, not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By PussFoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, Check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. Buy Flyaway Indoor Skydiving. Go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. Buy Pure Spectrum CBD. Head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to thelunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available. Hit the link for our YouTube channel. Pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. You got to go, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go.